0: Up high and wide, fam. I'm Delco Dave, and joined once again by the great, legendary Dave Jackson, ESPN NHL rules analyst. Dave, how you doing today, man?
1: Going well, man. How are, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. Much better yeah. uh, week at uh, running the business. Feeling a little bit better. Fired up for the weekend. A buddy of mine's actually he's been working on a similar business um, since he came out to a few of mine, and he's doing his first event like on his own not with like under like my business brand that I've had. He's kind of run a couple like collaborative events and he's doing his very first own one uh, this weekend. I told him I'd be down there to help him out. So I'm excited to, you know, work with another entrepreneur, help somebody else, you know, work on their business. I'm excited about that, man.
1: Don't be afraid to wrap some of those up in uh, like a heat resistant box and ship them to Denver. FedEx them out there for you. Get FedEx them out here. Uh, I can throw them in the microwave or oven and I'll uh, give you a, uh, you know, give you a review.
0: All right. I got it's you. Now, I'll, I'll get some sent out there. There's a way to do it. People have told me you can do it. I'll do some research and i get it out there for you.
1: Okay. So uh, I'm wrapping my beloved uh, departed Expos today in honor of spring training. And uh, for you Philly fans out there, you can gloat and have glee that the Phillies used to destroy the Expos. We, we, Expos were around before the wild card. And I was a pretty diehard Expos fan. And every year we were that close to making the playoffs. We just had to get ahead of Philly and they'd come in in late September and Mike Schmidt and Larry Boa, and they just hit them deep down, you know, out of left field and season over. (laughs) Go back and hope sprung eternal next spring training. And it just never happened. Uh, so curse you, you Philly fans.
0: I mean, listen, we can relate, you know, uh, five straight NFC championship game appearances for the (laughs) Eagles from, uh, 201 to 5 with only one victory and then we lost in the Super Bowl so believe me we're used to annual disappointment
1: <laughs> I know I hear you but <laughs> it would have been nice to just get in the playoffs we we got in the playoffs once in that um strike shortened year and it was a a three game series I think against the or three out of five against the Dodgers and that's that was the Blue Monday series I was at all three games I was probably 16-17 years old and uh, they brought Steve Rogers in in the ninth inning with uh, um, Rick Monday at bat, and Steve Rogers, the starter, and they brought him in as a relief pitcher. And well, it ended as everyone probably would guess it ended. He put it over left field wall, and we were done again. What a disappointment! <laughs> but at least there was a playoff uh, atmosphere. At least you got a playoff series out of it, yeah? Right? Yeah, at least.
0: <laughs> well, we got a. Uh... NHL's pushing towards the playoffs right now. So every game's huge. Everybody, Every point matters. We got two video clips of goals. One that didn't happen and one that did count. Um, that both ended up being game winners, I believe. Um, so one of them involves the kicking rule. Yeah. So, Dave, before we show the clip, just give us a rundown of, uh, you know, Kicking motion, the kicking rule, how the, how the officials go about calling it and what they rule on the ice, how reviews happen. Just walk us through the process.
1: Sure. Just as a sort of being tr- all full transparency here, the kicking rule, there's still a lot of, of uh, gray area in, in the kicking rule. It says distinct kicking motion. What is distinct, right? I mean, one person's distinct someone else as someone else's well. It's just a deflection. So we have to start from there and go there. There really isn't. It's not a. It's not a ball and a strike. It's not out or safe. It's there. There's some gray area involved. But if you go back to the original rule with no kick in the puck, I'm told it was brought in originally because it was dangerous. Remember the old tube skates? They didn't have the plastic holder on, them. they had the pointy little tip on them. If you got hit with a skate, I mean, it was going to puncture you. It, it was. It was pointy at the end, and it was goaltenders a didn't work. Right, and the goaltenders didn't wear face masks. So if you got a goalie down on the ice and you've got players kicking at the puck, I mean that's just a recipe for disaster. I believe that's why they didn't allow kicking the puck, because you're allowed to kick the puck everywhere else. You can kick it to a teammate. You can do whatever. Kick it to your stick. So that I believe that's the the genesis of the rule. Uh, then it became well, skates are safer now. A goalies wearing masks. So so let's let's just prevent the egregious. Let's still make it you have to score a goal with your stick. Let's take away the egregious kicks, but let's try and stop taking away you know, 50-50 goals. We need more scoring. So if it's not egregious, let's move towards it being allowed. And then they actually modified the rule to where a player is allowed to turn his foot to deflect the puck. And that was probably 10 years ago that they decided to do that. So a player is now allowed to intentionally turn his foot to redirect a puck just so long as he doesn't distinctly kick it. Now people say, well, what's distinctly kicking for me, a puck that's at rest. So you get a puck that's just lying in the crease or it's, it's wobbling and it's going, you know, parallel to the goal line. And you wind up with a soccer type motion and put it in the net. That to me is very easy. That's a distinct kicking motion. Anything else when the puck is already in motion, so somebody shot the puck, you see it coming, and you can't get your stick on. A lot of times guys are trying to get their stick on, good defensive player, their stick gets lifted, so they take their, their skate, and they move their skate forward towards the goalpost in order to stop the puck. And the puck hits the blade and goes into the net. By all interpretations, that's a good goal. That's That's a redirection of the puck. He didn't propel it in the net. He intentionally put his skate there, knowing it would carry him off the skate, like a good pool shot, into the net. So I believe last night, the player was going towards the net. You saw him. The puck's coming at him. It's going wide. You see him take his hand off his stick to try and play it with his hand to stop the puck. He had no intention of batting the puck in the net with his hand. He just wanted to stop it. Realized it was too low, so he stuck his leg out to stop the puck. If I'm looking at that, if I'm reviewing that, I'm saying, well, what happens here? He's moving his leg before the puck gets to him. So yes, he's, he's propelling his leg. He's not propelling the puck. He's moving his leg. The puck makes contact with that leg and Carom's in the net. In my opinion, that's a good goal all day long. And people say, well, in the rule, it says for video review, it only mentions skate uh, skate blade and boot. And the reason it doesn't mention shin is because shin is the same as your elbow. is the same as your head, um, your glove. You can't intentionally propel the puck in with your head, although I'd love to see that. We've seen some <laughs> soccer-type goals where guys watch the puck and they bat it in with their head. It's a great play. Immensely talented, but you can't do it. Um, you'll see a puck in the air, and the guy will bat it with his elbow into the net. It's no goal. Puck has to be scored by the stick unless it's a redirection. So in this case, people say, so that means you can't kick it in with your shin pad? Yes, you can. If you're standing in the crease and your stick's being, you know, tied up by the defenseman, goalie makes a save, the puck sort of goes up in the air. And as it's coming back down to the ice, you kick it straight ahead with the front of your shin pad into the net, you've completely changed that direction. The puck was going to just land on the thing. There was no momentum to the puck. It was just hanging there in the air, and you kicked it in. I believe that would be a case of disallowing it. But in my opinion, also the opinion of the NHL Situation Room, the retired official who's working in there, all hockey ops, what happened last night? The player's skate was off the ice. He was reaching his leg to stop the puck. It hit his leg. He didn't propel it in the net. It redirected off his leggings, and that that's a good goal. You might debate the rule. You say, I don't like the rule. But based on the interpretations that, that we've had for now for about 10 years, that's going to be a goal 90% of the time.
0: All right. Well, Dave broke it down for us. Let's show the people what you're talking about. There's no goal. Puck being kicked in. Looks to me more like a redirect guys off the shin pad
1: Overhead view not necessarily it, It's also possible that one saw one and the other saw the other yeah.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: So Well for hudson fashing right now, he's got his most significant and longest stay in the nhl But remember he first broke in with the sabers over parts of three seasons. Did he score here,
0: here we go? After video review, the call has been overturned. It's a good goal. So I think it happened basically how you said it. And it looks like he's trying to redirect it. You even broke it down with how look, he was putting his hand down to stop it, saw it was going low, and adjust it. My follow-up question after watching the clip is what is the official's bias towards ruling no goal or goal on the ice? Is there any lean one way or the other? Like if you, if you lean no goal, is it more likely to go right to the review as opposed to calling goal? Like what's the official thought process? Is there a safe like one lean or the other?
1: Yeah, see that, that that's a great question. That's something that I, when watching that clip, I realized a couple more things I had to add. So first thing we need to remember is that's not a coach's challenge. Every goal that's scored is reviewed by the Toronto Situation Room for the, the legitimacy of the goal. And coaches don't need to challenge that. And if it's high-sticked, knocked him with the hand, kicked in, um, you know, a- any other possible scenario other than a missed game stoppage, offside, or goal interference, it's an automatic review by, by, by Toronto. So Toronto's reviewing that goal, whether the referee allows it or disallows it. Referee on his gut. Chris Rooney made it made a great call. He went with his gut. He's on the other side of the net. We don't want referees going goal every time. And then, well, we'll let the league handle it. We'll take the easy way out. Okay. That's a big goal. That's the go ahead goal. He puts, you know, he puts his butt on the line there and he says no goal in real time. So what happens is we, we broke it down in slow motion. I wish we had a full speed of that to see how bang, bang that play is. He sees the puck. He's turned. He's watching. He's watching where the puck comes from. Turns. Sees the leg move. Pucks in the net. His gut reaction: no goal. And I support that all day long. When I get to watch the replay, then I start looking at it, going, you know what? I think it's a redirection. A redirection, more than anything. And if you, you I think when you see that, uh, even in slow motion, the momentum of that puck, the the energy on that puck, when it hits his leg, it's boom boom. Like he's more or less. Kicking his leg towards the goalpost to stop the puck. It's not like the puck's just in the air. Goalie's made a save off his blocker, and it's in the air, and he boots it in the net. This puck's going hard, and it's an 80 mile an hour shot. Stands his leg out, makes a redirection. I think, I think the right call was made. I know Buffalo fans are upset, disappointed, but uh, you know it's 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 a judgment call. But it will be said too that. The fact that he disallowed, the call on the ice is big. The call on the ice has a lot of weight. There needs to be enough evidence to overturn that call. If there's not enough evidence, conclusive evidence, to overturn that call, then it stays the call on the ice. So that kind of gives you an idea. There's a retired referee and there's six or seven hockey ops guys, ex-players, in that room. And there's a consensus sometimes. Ultimately, one guy is tasked with making the, the final call. But the consensus in that room is that, boys, we've got enough evidence to overturn that call. And that's based on their you know, jurisprudence for the last 10 years. They're making these calls every night. Same guys making the same calls every night. To them, that wasn't, I mean, it took a while. But at the end of the day, they said it was a redirection. And I think that's consistent with what we've seen for the last couple of years.
0: Now, you said the official on the ice, Rooney, Chris Rooney, right? Yeah. You said it was a great call on him. He had a lot going on. He made the decision. He was confident to make yeah. the decision. And yeah. we don't want officials just calling goals all the time and letting the league handle it. So in the scheme of things now, officials get graded and judged, and that's how you get playoff series and stuff like that. Would him making that call like that and then it eventually being overturned count against yeah. him in any way as far as end of the season or his ultimate grade goes?
1: No, if if anything, I think it'll show his bosses that he's not afraid to make a big call, a controversial call. Um, you know, he stepped up. He didn't hesitate. Too many, t- Not too many times, but sometimes you see that puck will go on the net and there won't be a call. It won't be waved off or it won't be pointed to go. It'll be a whistle and it's like, ah, and then a huddle and then they make the call in the ice. You have to have a call in the ice because if it's inconclusive, if Toronto comes back and says it's inconclusive, which... It probably wouldn't be inconclusive in this case. They would make a decision. But let's say, for example, it's a high stick. And it's tough to call high sticks because it's the height of the crossbar and depending on the camera angles. A lot of times those are are inconclusive and you have to defer to the call on the ice. If there's no call on the ice, that they say, we don't know, let's put it to Toronto, what happens when it's inconclusive? So the referees have to make a call on the ice. And he didn't hesitate. He went, boom, no goal. And I give him a lot of credit for that. He went with his gut. He saw the leg moving. Where he was standing, let I mean, where you're standing is 99% of getting the call right or getting the call wrong in everything, whether it's trips, hooks, holds, punches to the head. It's all about sight lines. And he was in the best sight line possible, right where he should have been, 10, 15 feet from the net. And he saw what he saw. And we just have the benefit of, was this call wrong? I mean, you got people all over the internet saying, you know, there was a kicking motion. It's gonna be heavily debated. With the benefit of replay, we watch it 10, they probably watched it 15 times in Toronto at various speeds, various angles. I think they can say his call wasn't bad. We just think there's a better call. And the better call is to award this goal. And that's how okay. they come with it. But but I think he will get credit for for being assertive and and Making a call. That's what they want. They want you to make a call. They want you to put your butt on the line and not waver. Don't take the easy way out. Make a call.
0: That's good to know because, I mean, I feel like sometimes you wonder if, like, you know, oh, somebody just missed something or they got a call wrong. Is it held against them? I mean, it's just something that I don't think a lot of casual fans know about how that breaks down like that and how, like, the actual decision-making for the officials on the ice is.
1: Correct. And I think we touched on that briefly about offside calls is that they say something out with the replay. Anything close, the linesman just wave off, and if they're wrong, it'll get challenged and overturned. Couldn't be further from the truth. Do you want to be that linesman that's always, once, twice a game, getting his calls overturned? <laughs> <laughs> then the boss is looking at you going, let's see, Everybody, everybody on staff has had four offside calls reviewed this year. This one guy's had 20, and every one of them's been wrong. Like, that's not going to look good on you, right? Yeah. So there's no there's no way that they say, anything close, I'm just going to wave it and let the video take care of it. No. They use their gut. They go with their gut. They want to get the calls right. They have a lot of pride. A lot of pride. And they want to get those calls right
0: well you mentioned offside and that actually leads us right to our next video review and we've actually touched on this uh last week too it was a big explanation it seems to happen almost every week we could probably pull one of these all the time it was good it was a good follow-up one more time this was uh, overtime I believe but uh if you wanna if you want to touch on it and we'll do a quick breakdown before we show them Dave um I know we've been sure. talking about it quite a bit but go ahead
1: well, first time callers might not get this, but repeat listeners. <laughs> last week we had the call where we showed the overtime goal in Vancouver, correct? Yep. Where the player, the player, so for those who didn't see it last week, overtime winning goal in Vancouver, the player caught the puck outside the blue line, skated across the blue line backwards, stick handling the puck, brought it in, went on to score. And there was debate as to whether he had possession and control or not. Well, he definitely had possession and control outside the blue line because the puck hit his stick and he controlled it. Then it wasn't always on his stick as he crossed the line, but he's stick handling. And the, the determining factor there is once it broke the plane of the blue line, he then had possession and control again. It never left him. No one else touched that puck. He had it the whole time. He kept the puck, he went in and scored. Last night, very similar play. Long, long pass in overtime. Minnesota player gets the puck outside the blue line. He's skating backwards. Full possession and control. He crosses the blue line with his feet. So feet first, still has possession and control. And then what he does is he passes the puck to a teammate. Unfortunately, that puck left his stick On the blue line. He didn't bring the puck into the zone. It never broke the leading edge of that plane. All he needed to do was bring that puck another two inches into the zone. That means he entered the zone with possession and control. Then he makes the pass and it's all good. His problem here is that he released the puck to his teammate about an inch too early. It left his stick before it crossed the zone. Therefore, he's offside. Put himself offside. It's really pretty simple if you break it down slow and look at it. Let's roll the video.
0: Yep, absolutely. Before, As I'm about to start it, you'll hear the announcers talk about how Calgary's never lost a challenge. But in overtime, it's automatic review. There was no challenge there.
1: You're absolutely – Turn your channel <laughs> yet. You saw Daryl Sutter looking, he's tell, talking to Cale McClain, assistant yes. coach, about it see here okay
0: well he, has, he has control yeah that appears to me like that should be a good goal
1: well we'll see uh, you know the flames have nothing to lose the challenge right This will be Brian Pachmara, the referee. After video review, it was determined the play was offside. Wow. Wow. No...
0: Yeah, everybody seemed surprised about that. But I think it's pretty clear what you were talking about from that very first look. They stopped it right there, right before he passed. The puck was still yeah. outside the blue line.
1: And in my opinion, there's there's a sentence missing in the rule book that could be added that, that uh, sort of adds a bit of confusion sometimes. It says if a player crosses into the zone, uh, skates first, as long as he has possession and control outside the blue line before he enters the zone. There should be an additional sentence saying, provided he maintains possession and control when the puck enters the zone. I mean, I think that makes sense. Well, it it should go without saying, but it it doesn't. And if you take the book literally – then it would be really good to add that little sentence, that little caveat. But in this case, the Minnesota player never has possession and control. When the puck enters the the zone, he gets rid of it before it enters. And that was his downfall.
0: And kind of like what you're saying, it's almost like the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Like, even though it doesn't specifically say that that's what their intent is.
1: Yeah, correct. And that was a great catch by you on what the announcers were saying. It's not a coach's challenge. Any time in the last 60 seconds of play or any time in overtime, it's an automatic league review. We talked earlier about how the league reviews every goal. Well, in the last 60 seconds of overtime, they also take over to Coach's Challenge. They look for goalie interference. They look for offside and for any missed stoppage. So a hand pass, a high stick that happens somewhere, puck going out of play, in the net, coming back in. That's automatically reviewed. So Daryl Sutter didn't have to challenge this. He just had to sit around and hope that Toronto got it right and like they usually do they got this one right as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the war room, the situation room that when you honestly they should get it right. I'm not going to lie. Like when you, with the amount of technology they have and views cuz they even have more angles and views than the broadcast has. Like they can only yep. show so many, but Toronto has all kinds of stuff they can chop up and lay sure. side by side.
1: For sure. And and I think they do a great job at getting it right. Now, there's times I don't always agree with them. But the ones I don't agree with them on are judgment calls. And they usually Concerned goalie interference. And my judgment's no better than theirs, and theirs isn't better than mine, it, but it's them making the call. And I would say I agree with Toronto's judgment on goalie interference 99% of the time. There's going to be that one or two outliers, though, where I'll see it. I'll even say it on TV. And I'm ESPN, I go, I think this is going to be a good goal. I think there wasn't enough contact. Um, and they'll come back and say, dis- goal is disallowed. And for me, that's an outlier. And I go, okay, well, and then I talk to them about it. I, I, I ask for an explanation and they're pretty good about giving it to me. And so I kind of know what their thought process is and how it's going to go. So, uh, but they do a fantastic job. They, they are just on it. Um, you know, a lot of times before the lines can even get over to, I think we said last week a lot of times before the lines even get to the box on an offside challenge. They've got it queued up already and showing them it's offside. Wow. Yeah. So
0: you, you did mention, you know, stuff being judgment calls and people having to use their judgment. Uh, last night, a Flyers player used some interesting judgment. Tony D'Angelo with a spear on Perry. Um, A lot of talk about that on Flyers, Twitter and the call being what it was and supplemental discipline. So we don't have the clip of it, but Dave, why don't you just uh, walk us through the spearing call, D'Angelo and what you think might end up being the supplemental discipline.
1: We talked also last week about, we, I think we talked about rules. I'd like to see changed. And I talked about the option of a four minute for spearing with contact to, to handle those little one-handed spears or, or the back of the leg in front of the net where You know he spears him, but we call slashing because it's not worth a a match penalty or a five-in-game. Well, that didn't apply last night. Um, They got it right, in my opinion. Um, That was right in the very sensitive area of Corey Perry. Um, No need for that, really. I mean, I don't know what what caused it or what what happened beforehand. Um, I'd rather him jump him if he's that mad at him. You know, drop the gloves and go. Um, but yeah, in in my opinion, the referees made the right call that fit the criteria criteria of a five in game for spearing. And, uh, I know he's going to player safety, as uh, hearing, um, my prediction is two games. I think he'll get two games.
0: Okay. So to follow up on something said about you'd rather him just drop the gloves and go, uh, D'Angelo actually had a quote after the game saying like, Perry had been running his mouth all game. He slashed me a couple times. He had slashed me just before that. He's like, yeah. I did, I had asked him to fight multiple times that game, and he kept saying no. So what would um, – he's obviously said he need get a couple games here. What do you think he would have been facing if he had just, like, jumped him? We've gone into the instigator rule, the aggressor rule. Like, wh- like would, would the punishment have been any more or less had he chose to just, you know, give him no chance other than but to fight?
1: Well, he would have probably got a two-minute instigator penalty um but you know you can also drop the gloves and challenge a guy and probably the worst you're going to get there is two minutes on sportsmanlike, or maybe a 10-minute misconduct for inciting but it's not rising to the level of, of a suspension and yeah, you know what i mean he's going to look back on this and go i probably should have done that because my gut's telling me two games and um we'll we'll see what happens uh you can't do what he did and i know i mean I guess if you're on the ice as a referee, you kind of know what's transpired all game. You know, who's at who and what the dynamics are. I do know Corey Perry. Well, Don d'Angelo is a tough character as well. Uh, I've known Corey Perry since he came in the league. What was it? 2006, yeah, seven.
0: Yeah. I was going to say almost 20 years. Not quite, but yeah,
1: he's, he's as tough as they get as well. You know, a lot of guys don't like him. I will. He's a winner. He's a goal scorer. Um, I would take him on my team and I've seen him fight. Um, I I don't see him being a a shrinking violet here. If somebody challenges him, he'll fight and he'll, he'll acquit himself pretty well. He's a tough character.
0: All right. I I appreciate your insight on that. I bet the other Flyers fans will. I saw something today from somebody that said they, their prediction was uh, six games for uh, D'Angelo. So uh, it's interesting to hear your point of view. You think it won't
1: be that much. I just think based on injury shouldn't be – you should call the penalty and you should suspend, in my opinion, based on the act itself. And then if serious injury occurs, then I think you add to that number. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Corey Perry was any worse for wear. He got himself – he wasn't stretchered off the ice. Um, There was no spleen hanging off Tony's stick. Um, So I think that's high. Okay. I, I, I really do, and um, I have no, you know, I have no inside inside track in this. Just, but just based on, I follow suspensions quite regularly. I follow their Twitter account, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, what's the low? The low is two, the high is six.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good range, probably. Yeah. What are you going? Uh, I'll I'll cut it right down the I'll go four. You go four. <laughs> All right.
1: All right, well, well, you realize that the price is right, so if it's three, I still win.
0: <laughs> All right, you can get the double on it. Price is right rules. Yeah. All right, Dave, we're winding down, man. So, uh, as always, end of the show. shop bo- uh, Soapbox, any topic, any shout-outs you want to do, anything you want to talk about? Floor's yours for a bit.
1: Uh, I got I got nothing. Uh, it's just some great hockey. It's just heating up so well. Uh, we've got the um, two great games this Saturday, as always, from now till the end of the season. ESPN plus and ABC. So live network, ABC Saturday afternoons, I believe one o'clock and three thirty. Two marquee games from now till the end of the season. Just great hockey. If you love hockey, this is the time of year. I mean, what about the playoff race in the East? It's just, it's bananas.
0: I don't see how, uh, I think the Stanley cup champion has to come from the East. Like, like I that. I think, you know, all the top teams in the <laughs> East would dwarf just about anybody in the West. Like that's where the contenders are.
1: Yeah, I think you have to think though that whoever comes out of the East is going to be beaten up. Yeah, And they're going to—they might just eliminate each other like along the way, <laughs> and whoever wins the East might consider that their Stanley Cup. <laughs> and <they> just <laughs> go on to play a team in the West. I mean, who knows? It's just—you get a hot goaltender, you ride them, and uh, I just know for me, it was my favorite time of the year. And uh, some years I went far in the playoffs, and some years you know, you screw up early and you're done and (laughs) it's, but it's still a great time of year.
0: Now that's awesome. I agree. Great hockey march to the playoffs. All right. Well, that's it for behind the stripes. High and wide fam. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. See everyone.